The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narconon Ojai. Hello, and welcome to The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. My name is Joni Siegel, and I'm the host for this podcast. Today's episode is episode number 191. When a person is addicted to drugs and or alcohol, the myriad of choices of treatment can be overwhelming. Narconon Ojai is an exclusive residential treatment facility that addresses the physical, mental, and spiritual aspects of addiction with a proven, holistic, drug-free, evidence-based, step-by-step program designed to free those trapped by addiction. For more information, call 1-866-231-5924. Today is episode number 191, as I said, and today we have an interview with a mother. And I like to think that when we interview a mother of an addict, whether that addict is going through recovery now, has gone through recovery, or unfortunately has died of an overdose, that you, the listener, learn something about this epidemic and how to help handle your loved one who might be going through it. So today we're going to be talking to a lady named Kelly Hatcher, and Kelly is a family recovery coach, and we will have her tell us more about that. She's a single mom. Her oldest son, who is 22, has been struggling with addiction for the past nine years. That means he started at 13, and that's awfully young. After trying to save him for years from weed, benzos, heroin, and fentanyl, homelessness, and all the horrors in between, she realized that she can't save or fix him. But as we know, it takes a lot to get to that point. So without further ado, let's talk to Kelly Hatcher. Kelly Hatcher, thank you so much for being willing to tell your story on the podcast. I, we talked a little bit about it beforehand. I'm going to do my best not to get emotional, but I am a mother and as are you. And so there you go. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, this is a, a new journey for me as well of sharing my story with people. Um, I've just, I've hit it for so long and I've been embarrassed by it. And so the more I can help other people by sharing that it's not my fault <laughs> and I can't control it, you know, that's that's what I want to do now is help people realize we're a team. We've got this. We've got to work together and share it and understand it and deal with it. Yep. Um, just a question. Do you, I know that the main thing we're going to be talking about is your son, but do you have your own history with drugs or alcohol? I do. I definitely do. Um, in high school, I, I tried smoking weed. I grew up in Hawaii and, you know, of course everyone smoked weed and I despised it. I hated that feeling. Um, but I drank a little, still wasn't a big into it. Um, but then I started cocaine and loved, loved it. And um, I left Hawaii, moved to California. And then I tried meth and I tried 
different things and enjoyed the highs. I hated anything low, but man, I was thin and I had clean house and I just loved that part of it. But I never had the addiction to it. As soon as I got into starting my career in education, I realized I can't do this and I stopped. So for me, I have addiction in my family. I have a grandfather, sister, like addiction was in my family. And um, my ex-husband, his entire family had addiction. So we always shared that this is Russian roulette. Like we never drank in the house, none of that stuff, but we always shared it. You try it. It's like putting a gun in your mouth and hoping it's not going to go off. So it, you know, I've said that I've said that over and over again on this podcast. I know I had a friend who did like boatloads of drugs at one time in her life and then just stopped. Okay. So she didn't become addicted, but do you want to take that chance? Do you want to take that risk? Do you want to try it and see if you're going to become an addict and, you know, spend all your money and steal and lie and cheat, or maybe just don't try it in the first place. Do you know? Because what are the chances? I wonder what the percentages are that someone will be like you and can just stop. I don't think the percentages are very high. Well, I think right now, I mean, everything I've read, it shows that one out of five people have an addiction issue. One out of five. Like that just blows my mind that it's that high and we're not helping that many people in regards to that, you know, probability of what could happen. Right. Right. Okay. So you became an educator, realized you had to stop and you stopped. What happened with your son, Kelly? Um, I, I really, we can't pinpoint exactly what created this. I know he was in middle school and he just, the friends he was hanging out with started to change. I mean, it is the typical book of what to look for. And it was happening over and over again. He changed his friends that he had for years and years and years. And um, that was a big red flag. Um, and then the people he was hanging out with, he wouldn't let them come to the house, which was very strange because I was the mom who always, come, I'll feed you. I will, I will go play in the pool. And I was just the, that mom. And he just started changing and it was very obvious at the same time I was in a, not a good marriage and it was never anything my kids noticed. Like the S word was shut up and stupid at our house. We didn't drink. We didn't, I mean, that kind of stuff. And we never, ever argued. We did the silent treatment, but we never argued. And so in my mind, I was like, they don't even notice this. I ended up leaving the marriage. And at that point, he was a uh, seventh grader. And eighth grade, he started smoking a lot of weed. And I was finding um, bongs or I would find apples. I found a lot of apples. Um, and with whole. What's, what is that? What is, I don't know what that means. They would take a pencil and pop the pencil into an apple and then take out the top and use it like a pipe, but apples. 
yeah, I found a lot of apples. Um, and so I had to learn about that part. And at that time I was a teacher, but I was also a school counselor. And so while he was smoking weed, I was mortified. My ex-husband was a teacher in the school district. I was the teacher in the school district. And here is our kid kind of going, at that time we thought out of control. Um, and I just had this stupid, you know, blinders on that. I can fix him. I'm a counselor. I have a master's degree. I, I deal with middle school and high school kids all the time. I know how to fix him. Um, I don't know how to fix him. <laughs> I mean, I was going to people's houses. I was banging on doors saying, your kid is selling my kid drugs. I was showing text message. I was going to police stations. I was a psycho lunatic mom. And um, I, I just, I wanted to fix him. I wanted so badly to fix him. And uh, my ex-husband and I were just at each other's heads. And of course, he blamed me for Jake's problem because of course that's the best way you have to point a finger at somebody. It can't be his fault. It had it, my son's fault. It had to have been my fault. So I carried that weight for a long, long time of, I left the marriage, my son's using drugs because of me. And, um, I have another son too. So Jake at this right now is 22 years old. And, um, my other son is named Ian and he's 20. And I was trying to do the best I could being now a single mom trying to raise two boys and the boys didn't want to go to the dad's house. And it just, I mean, it was spiraling and I could see that the weed was turning into pills and he was stealing pills galore. And then, um, the pills turned to a higher dosage of Vicodin. So then he went to oxys and then he started stealing. And I would notice that, um, computers were gone at my house. My other son played water polo. And of course I was team mom and I had the big SLR cameras and I was taking all the pictures and my lenses were missing and money was missing. Jewelry was missing. And, um, he would then go to my ex-husband's house and steal from them. I mean, he just, he was stealing. And I knew at that point I sent him away. I sent him away to a, um, kind of like a boarding school in Arizona. And it wasn't for drug addiction. It was for attention deficit because I still had those blinders on that. It's just weed and pills and he's okay and sent him away. And he ended up convincing all the guys there that um, when they administer your Adderall and your Vyvanse and all your, your medication, hide it under your tongue and afterwards, we'll party with this at the end of the week. And um, he made it there for maybe three months, and they came out. How old was he, Kelly? How was um, that? Was his freshman year? Maybe a sophomore, right around there. For, I mean, young, right in high school. He he got kicked out, and of course, I think we paid. Uh, my parents helped me. Um, with that, I had to take out a loan. It was like $22,000 and we got zilch back after three months of that. Um, I then put him in a, um, a rehab that was in Long Beach, California. And I went to all of the meetings while he was in there and 
I sat at those family meetings looking at all these people. And then, you know, you had to do the family meetings, but then you had to go to Al-Anon and I was, I dove myself into it, but I looked at all these people and I was still judging everybody else. Like as they're sharing their stories in my head, I'm like, you suck as a parent. Like you don't know how to parent your kids. My kids only doing weed and, you know, popping pills. Your kids are really messed up poor you guys. And, um, I didn't take anything in. I just judged. And it was, it took me a long time of doing Al-Anon and family group meetings that I didn't learn anything in any of those meetings, except you guys are losers, man. Too bad. You can't fix your kid. Cause I'm going to fix my kid. This is his first rehab. This is the last time he's ever going to rehab. That obviously didn't work either. So, um, you know, Kelly, I'm going to stop you just for a second. I appreciate you so much being willing to tell us that, you know, what you say almost parallels what we've heard from former addicts where they go, they go to a group meeting and they're like, yo, you got a problem. I don't have a problem, but you have a problem. It's a, it's a very similar thing. It's that, you know, when do you admit, you know, maybe I got a problem here. You know, what, what I'm going to call that maybe sort of your point of no return and you may not be there yet, but when did you realize that maybe you weren't that different? Um, it was, he had made it through high school and I, um, I just kept trying to save him and I could tell it was worse and worse and police were at my house all the time and I wouldn't let him in my house. And so I think it was like his senior year that I started getting tougher. Um, I was in a relationship at that time. My relationship exploded. He wanted nothing to do with me because I was a lunatic. And my younger son um, would, wanted nothing to do with his brother, nothing. And at that time he wanted nothing to do with his dad either. And so um, my younger son and I moved away and we moved out of the city that my kids had been raised in. And um, I didn't tell my son, Jake, where we moved. I, I wouldn't share where we were. And that was, it was, he was a senior in high school. And I was still trying to help him because I really wanted him to graduate high school. I, I know that's ridiculous in the big picture, but I just felt he needed to graduate. And he had been to like five high schools. So I was still helping when I went to work to get him at a, he was at a charter school, but he couldn't live with me. He didn't know where we lived. And um, I think that's when I realized I had to, I had to break some ties. I had to stop. I, I realized I had this, um, I was never a cheerleader princess girl, but I always pictured myself with this crown that said queen enabler because I changed everything, anything in my life. I put my other son on the back burner. I put the man I was dating on the back burner because my world was Jake and I was going to save him. You are listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information on the podcast or to reach out if you have a story you would like to share with us, go to our Facebook page by the same name or you can email us at theaddictionpodcast at yahoo.com or go to our website, theaddictionpodcast.com or 
call us at 727-314-7080. And please remember to subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review. For more information on our sponsor, Narconon Ojai, visit their website at narcononojai.org. That's N-A-R-C-O-N-O-N-O-J-A-I.org. Or call 1-866-231-5924. That's 1-866-231-5924. Sometimes, the hardest thing about getting someone into recovery is getting them to agree to treatment. Bobby Newman, a certified drug counselor with 30 years experience and an over 85% success rate as an interventionist, has created a series of 12 videos that you can use right now to learn every step to get your loved one to agree to treatment. Call 1-833-918-0008 today and say the word podcast to get a 10% discount. Or go to newmaninterventions.com and type in the word podcast for a 10% discount. This service comes with a free one-hour consultation with Bobby. I realized after everything started crashing around me that I just, I had to, I had to let go, not give up and not stop loving him, but I had to stop doing the same thing because nothing was changing. You know, it's that, that cycle that we go through that, why is that anything changing? Well, it's not changing because I'm not changing what I'm doing. And so I, I started educating myself and taking care of myself for the first time in years and um, kind of growing as a person. But um, it's still, I mean, we've been, we, huh, no, he has been in 11 rehabs now and he's only 22. And um, he still, he still struggles to this day of um, he, he'll call me and say that he needs help. But I, I, like, I recently just sent him an eight, the 800 number of call them, get, get some help because I, I can't do it anymore. You know, I've bought him three cars. Why wouldn't I learn after the first car? But I ended up, and I've always worked, you know, since I divorced, I work three jobs. I, I work so hard because I have to support rehabs or PHPs or IOPs or sober living houses and insurance doesn't cover the sober living houses. And then I have another son that was graduating and going off to college and I, I'm a, I'm a sole provider here. And so it just, it, it's draining. It is so mentally and physically draining trying to do this. And with all the meetings I've done, uh, Naranon, Alan, you add the non to it. I've been to those meetings. And for me, it was, um, I, I have a Christian faith, but I felt that I wasn't getting tools in there. I was just, everyone prays for you. And I, get pray, pray for me. I need all the prayers I can get, but I also needed tools of how do I get healthy? How do I get healthy so I can be a better mom for my other son, as well as strong for Jake and hold up my boundaries. And that it's a challenging, it's a challenging road. So, you know, when people like you had mentioned, 
it's a family disease. Like it is not just, you're saying, oh, this sounds very similar to what addicts do. It, it, I really believe it is because I've got to deal with this disease as well. And I didn't, I never realized that for years and years that I had to deal with this as well. Yep. You, you, you make some great points, um, that we've heard from other parents, like you have to take care of yourself, you know, and the other thing, and you must've watched one of the podcasts, either that, or you're the same mindset of one of the moms who, you know, said, you know, you have to let go, but you can't give up. And it's a fine line between, you know, loving your son and enabling your son, which, you know, enabling is not healthy. What does, what does Ian think? Have you guys like talked about Jake and talked about that whole thing? Do you guys talk about that? um, He's angry. Uh, Angry is the, the first emotion I can say for him. Um, He won't do, you know, any therapy, you know, he's 20 year old college, junior in college. And, you know, I've got this, but he's anti-drugs and, Um, One of the big things I always, I try to share, like even on my social media is Ian is a type one diabetic. Jake is an addict. They both have a disease. Both of my kids have a disease. Ian has the tools of, you know, two types of insulin and his Dexcom. Jake doesn't have the tools. I mean, he's been given the tools but it's like, he doesn't choose it. Well, if Ian didn't take his tools, he'd die as a type one diabetic. And Jake unfortunately could die as well because he isn't using the tools that he has been given over and over and over again. And it's hard as a, as a mom, like I listened to some of these rehabs he's been in where he's, I've got acupuncture and I've gotten a massage. And I'm sitting here thinking, I can finally get a good night's sleep because I know you're in a safe place. Like the, the spectrum of what he's getting and what I'm getting, I'm like, wait, I haven't had a massage in a year and you're getting a massage? Like sometimes it's cuckoo crazy in my head of how are you even getting anything out of this, buddy? Like, you know the tools. He knows what to do. It's just that addiction, that disease is just so strong. And I truly believe now he uses not to get high, but now he's using to stay alive. Like he's in so much pain and he is, I mean, during COVID, he called me and said that, I think I have COVID. I think, can you take me to the hospital? And I... I went down, had masks, took him to the hospital. And when I picked him up, he, I, I couldn't even recognize him. He's like six foot tall and maybe weighed 120 pounds. I mean, his hair is greasy, long. He's drooling. Like he couldn't hold his head up. And I've never seen him like that. And it's benzos. So his last rehab, he met a girl and of course, that's the first no in any rehab is mingling with the, the opposite sex, but he moved in with her and started using benzos with her. And he ended up, I took him to the hospital. He had, um, his lung was infected. He was in the hospital uh, from June to July for 41 days. Uh, they wanted to remove his lungs because um, 
in one of his frenzies, he aspirated. And so all of the vomit went back down and caused a huge infection in his lung. And none of the antibiotics were working because he's been using so many drugs. So 41 days. Um, and in that time, two times he left the hospital to go get high. And doctors are calling me saying, you need to get him. His body's going into sepsis. He will die within three weeks if you do not bring him back to the hospital. So I'm driving, picking him up and banging on the door to get into their little apartment, open the door because they're not answering and see my son, his girlfriend who's passed out on the floor and a drug dealer. They're all passed out. And for the first time in my life, it was like, they're dead. Like I'm running, trying to find my Narcan thinking, I don't even know what they're on. And Jake wakes up and he's like, don't use that. It's benzos. It's benzos. So I, I realized the Narcan wouldn't even have saved him, but I'm looking at his girlfriend who won't wake up. And it, it's just, you know, I've seen him shooting up in his car and him like watching me as he's, it, it just, this isn't my son. Like my son is not this person, but it is at the same time. And it's the things that have happened to him. You keep thinking this is rock bottom. He's been homeless for seven months in Portland. I thought he was dead. I've called every hospital morgue police station. And they all tell me in Oregon at that time, you probably won't find him. There's too many hundreds of thousands of people here in Portland that go unidentified. Like there's no parent should be hearing that and no parent should be worried every single day. Is this, my phone's ringing. Is this, is this the call that I'm dreading for the rest of my life? And it happens. It happens to so many of us. And I'm still that person of, okay, I've got a lot of self-care. I mean, I looked at my miles on my watch yesterday I walked 12 miles yesterday because I got bad news and I went on four different walks. My poor dog is probably never going to want to walk again. Like it is just crazy what parents go through while dealing with their loved ones. It's just crazy. It's horrible. It's absolutely horrible. You know, I think that what, what we've said many times on the podcast and what I personally think is the case is that drugs are a solution to the problem. There's some underlying problem. And unfortunately, until someone gets clean and sober, they can't necessarily get at that underlying problem. And, you know, I think that often someone goes to rehab and maybe they get clean and sober for a few days or a week or what have you. But if they don't address the full scope of addiction, which is physical, mental, and spiritual, they don't, they don't, it doesn't last. It does, it doesn't stay. And I, I just, I, you, it breaks my heart to imagine what you go through on a daily basis living with this. And you, you even said that his girlfriend called you last night and you don't need to relay what she said. Um, but I, it just, I, it breaks my heart. Is there anything looking back 
that you think you might have done differently at this oh, point? Oh, for sure. For sure. Um, that's funny because I just posted something today about we can't go backwards, but we can start today to make a change. But I put in there, there are things I would have changed. Like I was the queen enabler, but I was like the mom who made every breakfast and every dinner and PTA president and coach. That, like I did every, like if you had the checkoff of Wonder Woman mom, I, I kind of think I, I would have qualified for the running, but I fixed everything. I fixed everything. You don't like your teacher? Let me get you out of that class and put you in another class. You don't like the school? Let me get you out of that school and put you in another school. Like I fixed every oh woe that either of my kids had. I, I wouldn't have done that. I, I, if I could step backwards, I would have let them struggle a little. I really think that I gave them way too much. And, you know, as a school counselor, I see this entitlement factor all the time with kids. So kids don't know how to handle any kind of form of stress nowadays because parents band-aid everything. So then when they go off to college and they struggle or they get a bad grade or they can't do something, they start getting anxiety or they go through depressions because they don't have the tools to deal with stress. We have just catered to these kiddos that I, I just, that would be my, my change for sure, for sure. Interesting. It makes sense. It makes sense to, to me. It makes me look back and see, you know, what I did with my kids, but it, as you say, we can't, we can't go back. Um, if you had just one message to give to a mom listening who's dealing with a child who's addicted, what would you tell them? Be strong. You've got this. You've got support. If you need support, I'll be your support. I don't care who you are. I will walk this valley with you because you need somebody that understands this. And so many people, we keep it alone and, or you tell your best friend, but your best friend's never been through this. So they just say, I'm so sorry, Kel. I'm so sorry. And the sorries and the prayers are, I thank you, but I need to understand, like, what did you do? Help me. What did you do for this? So be strong and have boundaries because if you don't change it, it's going to, it's going to be the exact same. So, you know, I go on Facebook groups and I see what all of these parents are writing and you just, you know, it's hard because you're, you're doing the same thing and I've done it. I, I totally get why you love them. And you're thinking this time they're going to see that I love them this much. They're going to stop and they don't, it's the drugs. It's not you. They love you, but it's not you. And they can say, you know, Jake will tell me you're my trigger. You're it's you that triggers me. And I'm, and you know, now I laugh at it. I really laugh. Like, dude, if that was the case, you, you'd be okay. If I was your trigger. So it's, it's not taking everything personally. It's not you. It's not you. You're right. 
And it's unfortunate that that's his viewpoint because he's not going to get well until he realizes that it's not you that's the trigger and it's his own choices and his own decisions. Kelly, thank you for being with us today. You said that people could reach out to you if they need your help. How can they do that? Where can they find Um, you? On any social platform, I'm at New Day Family Recovery. And um, I just want to be there for parents. I, I mean, just those loved ones, because we we all need each other right now. It's just, it's so, so challenging with everything that's happening in our world right now. So just knowing that you have support, I think is really important. I agree. I normally say, I hope you enjoyed the interview. Um, Tough interview, very tough. What Kelly is going through on a daily basis is just heart-wrenching. And I know that some of you listening to this podcast are going through the same thing. So reach out because I always believe that there is power in numbers. And I also think that there is power in, how can I put it, spiritual agreement, if you will. And so I think that if you, whether it's pray together or just have really positive thoughts together, is it going to save your loved one from addiction? Perhaps not. Could it possibly put them in a more amenable frame of mind to get help? Well, maybe so. And that's what I would hope. Um, We will be back again next week with another interview. We are in the midst of the holiday season. It is the most stressful time for all of us, and it is also stressful for addicts as well. Please don't wait until after the holidays to get help or to get help for your loved one. Um, It's not something you want to wait on. You don't want that phone call that's the worst news ever. We'll talk to you again next week and stay with us. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, sponsored by Narcanon Ojai. For more information on Narcanon Ojai, call 866-231-5924 or visit www.narcanonojai.org. Narcanon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard.